welcome to the 11th episode of the SportsMap podcast, where we are talking all things sports medicine, physiotherapy, rehabilitation, and return to performance. I'm your host, Nick Kane. Now, it certainly is a difficult time in the world right now in dealing with COVID-19. The team here at the Sports Map Network are dedicated to continue to provide you guys with some fantastic new learning content. We have a excellent webinar series coming up with some world-renowned experts talking on a number of key areas. That's free content and it will be limited numbers, so keep a lookout for those webinars coming week to week uh, through April and May. And then following on from that, we will be running an online conference mastering lower limb muscle injuries Uh, so keep a lookout for that at the end of april early may we still do have our live event planned to run in december the 4th and 5th in melbourne around the difficult foot and ankle masterclass. so at this point in time that will run ahead um, all things being equal so keep a lookout at the website for all the upcoming pd opportunities and events and we thank you for your support and we hope you enjoy this podcast in today's episode, we are chatting with Dave O'Sullivan. Dave was the England Rugby League head physiotherapist in the 2017 Rugby League World Cup in Australia, and he continues to consult for the England Rugby Union today. He's also currently working with Huddersfield Giants, Warrington Wolves, and Hull FC whilst mentoring their head physiotherapists, alongside working with numerous top sporting professionals. Dave is also the clinical director of Pro Sport Physiotherapy in London. Today's chat with Dave, we tapped into his knowledge of return to play systems from lower limb injury using a syndesmosis rehabilitation as a case scenario. Some excellent pearls from Dave, especially in how to avoid a few common pitfalls that can often be associated with the rehabilitation of these injuries. And finally, we want to thank Archie's Footwear for their support with this episode, where they're offering all listeners a 20% discount on any order, big or small, from archiesfootwear.com using the code sports underscore map. So 20% discount on any order, big or small, at archiesfootwear.com. So let's jump into our chat with Dave. Well, welcome, Dave. Cheers, Nick. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on our podcast. And to kick us off, do you want to let us all know a little bit about yourself and um, what you're doing with your work at the moment and what you have in the past? Yeah, so I'm a physiotherapist um, originally from Cork in Ireland and moved over to England in 2005 to, to do my degree, qualified in 2008 and then was lucky to kind of go straight into professional sport from from there. Uh, worked with um, very good, lucky to work with a good mentor of mine, uh, Myron Jones, who obviously you, you know. Um, and from there then, just kind of progressed up the ladder, I suppose, moved back to Ireland then to work with Munster, uh, Rugby Union and Ireland for a little bit and then came back to, to England to work with Huddersfield Giants because um, my wife is is from Huddersfield originally and got two daughters there now. Um, and then from there, got involved with England Rugby League once I, I kind of came out of full-time professional sport with, with two kids and, and stuff like that and um, just started doing various con- consulting with, with various teams and no, I'm very lucky to, to be working with England Rugby Union, working with those guys um, in the World Cup in Japan and um, and the share Six Nations. Um, and also have a private practice in, in Huddersfield where, where I live. So, so yeah, got a, got a little bit going on. Sounds good, mate. And um, we saw recently that you are doing some courses in Australia pretty soon. Uh, there's a postponed a little bit due to what's going on in the world at the moment uh, with the coronavirus, but uh, where can people tap in and just have a look at what courses you guys are doing? 
Yeah, so we, we've got a website called thegotophysio.com. So um, T-H-E, gotophysio.com. And that's got um, most of the, the information there um, about our, our courses. Um, yeah, so we were supposed to do a diaphragm and pelvic floor course and uh, the return to play course, uh, which which is quite popular over in, in the UK. Already, but unfortunately, uh, because of the, the recent events, we, we've had to postpone it um, a little bit, but open to, to get maybe online versions of that going. Um, in the meantime, until we can we can get back over and, and do it in person. Nice, mate. So uh, we do have a little code uh, people can tap into if you do get online and help with a, a little bit of a discount to the course, and that's SM100. Uh, so if anyone wants to jump on there and have a look, they can um, when the courses do get uh, become live and back running in 2021. So SM100, uh, nice little discount code. Um, all right, so you just mentioned a little bit about your return to play there and I guess our sort of reasoning for wanting to get you on the podcast was to talk a little bit about your return to play systems. Uh, let's say uh, you've been presented with a player, it's a syndesmosis injury, all right, so he's presented to you four or five days post-injury. It's a high-grade injury. Let's say it's been repaired surgically and he's now in a moon boot but he'll come and see you seven days post. Um, when we are talking about return to play systems, where does that start and how does it start for a player in this sort of presentation? So I suppose with the traumatic injuries, um, it's a, a little bit different um, from the, the non-traumatic, like I know we, we chat a little bit about hammies and, and stuff like that. So with the traumatic injuries, I suppose I... I pride myself, and again, Myron would have won that drill into me early days. The the importance of doing the basics really well initially. So, you know, I know that there's a little bit of debate about um, ice and compression. I personally am a big fan of of compressing um, the ankle straight away. And I think with a syndesmosis, if you can get them into the moon boot, from my clinical experience, that makes a massive difference um, to to the management and the speed we we can progress them rather than you know walking around for a day or two then going shit it is a synesmosis and then and then putting them in a boot um so for me the the first week with that really is keep them in the boot get the the take them out of the boot literally just to, to check the range um you know your your knee to to wall even with that trying to minimize the um the the load that we're putting through that foot um and then what I'll do a lot of in in that week, which kind of ties into the return to play system, is um, as soon as possible. What I focus on is getting everything integrated together. So, while I appreciate that, you know, we we've got um, some motor adaptations happening around the ankle. What I'm very conscious of and, and try to minimise is the adaptations that happen between the the ankle, the knee, and the hip, or the the hamstring working with the gastro, working with the the hip. So. Um, my kind of focus is I want everything doing its job um, together. So again, you're the, the kind of work by Franz Bosch and, and all these guys um, with around coordination. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I think sometimes uh, that's people can get overwhelmed with taking those concepts and, and applying it. Um, I think it, it's a little bit of a grey area, but, um, but just keeping it real simple. So, so something like when they're lying on their back, um, getting them to push through the, the midfoot um, and, and building tension through the gastro, the hamstring and the the, um, the the glute. Whereas I think a lot of people when they do bridges and, and even stuff like that on moon boots, they'll push through the heel. Whereas 
what we want to do with with these kind of guys is we want to get the the proximal gastro the distal hamstring working well together so that we can we can get a good co-contraction of the knee for when that guy goes back and, and needs to do top end um, and sprint work and that kind of for me which I probably should have said at the start my rehab plans always start at the end goal um, and then we, we work back and it is just literally then just reverse engineering where we want to get that athlete back to so it's so a top end speed acceleration anytime that guy pushes off um, that foot um, in the back end you know he wants to have a very stable ankle where he's he's on his forefoot and um, and toes whether he's accelerating or obviously when he's he's at top end speed so I'm trying to build a great exposure program right through from week one all the way up to to the end stage and that great exposure ladder that that might literally start with the guy on his back building tension through his midfoot so that he can he can engage that gastro hamstring without his hamstring cramping or his calf cramping um which which is a very common um thing that we would see so then i'd go about doing a bit of soft tissue work um to areas that i need to do and get that past then once we have the range and the, the guy is, is pain-free walking, then we, we might start taking him out of the boot. Um, and again, it's just earning the, the right to progress that. Um, something with syndesmosis that I'm, I'm very interested in is the calf raise. I think that's a, clinically that's a real good indicator for me of, of uh, the nervous system showing us that the, the athlete has stability, whereas... So the syndesmosis, I'm sure that, that you've seen it. They, you know, you ask them to do a calf raise and, and they try to do it and they, they just can't do it. They're like, what the heck? I, you know, I'm trying to do it, but my brain just won't let me do it. Whereas other guys, you, you have a syndesmosis where, you know, on, on an MRI scan, it might look pretty bad, but actually they've, they've got a decent calf raise. And, and I've always found that to be a very good indicator for me of, of how aggressive I can be with these guys. Um, and for the guy with, with a kind of a floppy calf raise, as I like to call it, that guy, I'm a, I'm a little bit more cautious with, if I'm being honest. Um, I'm, I'm not pushing them to high-level rehab until he has that, that calf raise because that, to me, is telling me that his nervous system still doesn't feel that that, that, that angle is, is stable, really. Um, so then that guy, I might focus a little bit more on, on you know, getting that calf raise, um, whereas the guy that has a full calf raise, then we're just going to progress him through, um, through the, the step-by-step system, really, that I teach um so we would again progress them from from the bed into standing and again i'm I'm a big fan of um of using kind of movements where we put load through the body but we give the the nervous system no choice but to to tolerate that load so again i'm not sure how familiar you are with some of my work you see a lot of um a lot of kind of people who have been on my mentorship they'll they'll use these slouches now where we're almost getting a person in a split squat we're getting them on their midfoot, and then we're getting them to relax their back and and literally put put their whole load through through that that lead leg essentially. Because when you relax your back, the load has to go into the into the lower limb, and then we, we'll get them breathing. We'll, we'll get them doing isometrics like that, and then I'll I'll base that around the, the kind of the triphasic approach where we'll do isometrics in that position. Then we'll do slow eccentrics where we're just looking on on spreading the, the weight through the through the full foot. And then we'll do a kind of a concentric um, component to that as well, where we might get them to, to finish in the slouch, pause for two, three seconds, get that um, elastic energy to, to dissipate, and then get them doing a very good kind of um, concentric kind of, um, I suppose, push out of those slouch positions up into a box so that um, they've got no choice but to, to use these tissues. And, and I find when we, we do 
exercises like those slouches, you get a massive amount of soleus and, and gastro and, and hamstring and hip all working together when we take the back out. And um, I suppose that was one of the, the things with uh, the Franz Bosch work that when I worked in rugby, that I think a lot of those exercises are great. But I think a lot of guys will cheat where they won't have good intention of the foot. They'll use their back or they'll, they'll hyperextension their, their back and they'll get tight backs and stuff like that. So I would see my work as um, kind of a rehab version of his stuff. Whereas if I do my job well, then we can get him to his exercises and then really, you know, start to, to build resilience at, at, the, um, at the end of it. I've got a couple of little questions to to nut down on there a little bit, but just firstly around that slouch exercise, just describe that. So we're in a lunge position, flex forward at the trunk. Yeah. So so the the key thing with this exercise is that we get we get your your body weight going into um, over your midfoot. So a lot of people, so we're we're almost like in a split stance, um, so that your if we say right foot forward, left foot is literally in line with your your right heel. So it's a very, very small split stance because what we want to do is we want to challenge your base of support. So you want to get your center of gravity in the middle of your base of support, which would be somewhere around your midfoot there. Then from there, your, your knee's going to be over your toes um, and all your weight's going to be on your midfoot. Now, in that position, a lot of athletes are going to struggle in that position uh, from my experience because they're either very heely or they're very toey. So the ability to get from the heel to toe, I think a lot of them skip that, that midfoot. So um, I'm a big believer in the midfoot. You know, people are, are sick of me saying squash oranges and stuff like that. Um, I know you had um, um, an Enda from, sorry, name it, Enda from uh, Santry over um, with, with yourselves. Like Colin, um, Colin from Santry, the running coach, he, he actually gave me that years ago, uh, Colin Griffin, um, about squashing oranges and, and I've just been using that, that cue ever since. So when we push through the, the midfoot, we obviously get a plantar flexion uh, moment. So that's going to get a lot of um, gastro, it's going to get a lot of distal hamstring. Whereas if you look at someone do a sit to stand, a lot of people are going to push through their heels when they, when they come up. So if we're, if we're pushing through our heels, we're going to get a, ultimately a dorsiflexion moment. So a lot of people, they'll get the weight back onto their heels and they'll, they'll dorsiflex their ankles. So what I'll try to get the, the athlete to do is get that intent back through, through pushing through their midfoot to get everything working together, the distal hamstrings um, with the proximal gastro with, with the glute. And ultimately what that'll do is that'll delay any extension, which will stop your knee snapping back so that we can allow the hip to, to do active work. And, you know, that's another thing I see a lot of these athletes do is when they're walking, they'll, they, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen it, the knee will snap back, uh, especially the Islanders, uh, the, the rugby lads. So my kind of focus is delaying the extension so that we can give the, the glute every opportunity to, to do work rather than VL or, or something like that kind of um, kicking off. So, so that's what that exercise is ultimately designed to do is just to, to give the body an opportunity to tolerate load through all of these tissues and show the brain it's safe um, to, to tolerate load first and foremost, and then we can we can look to, to progress it. Just back to those uh, those athletes that really do struggle to do a calf raise early. Um, if you find one of those guys, what are you doing there to really get that activation back and their ability to plan a flex? Yeah, the, the first thing I'm doing is I'm going up to the coach and I'm, I'm setting expectations with him, telling him that this is going to be uh, a little bit longer than, than we thought because I, I know from, from experience, they're the ones that you'll, you'll get cut out on where, you know, the MRI scan looks great. You're like, oh, it'll be a few weeks. But if, 
if if it is like that, I'm giving myself another week or two realistically. Um, and I think they're the guys that, you know, in the back of my head, I'm considering, okay, has he got a rage and synovitis in the joint? Um, will we may, might need to consider a, a steroid at some point? Again, that's not my first thought, but that's that's kind of going on in my, my head. So um, I'm doing the basics. You know, we're flushing through the ankle. We're, we're making sure he's icing it, um, stuff like that. And then what I'll do a lot of as well is I'm trying to take away a protective tone around his perineals, his flexor hallucis longus, his um, tip pose. So we're, we're probably doing a bit of soft tissue work around that. And then just focusing um, on getting that intent again through that that midfoot and forefoot, and and really getting um, getting as much intent through the foot as we can without irritating the ankle joint. You know, getting the heart again and and and, um, and irritating it. So those guys, for me, there it, it is a little bit of a you know you're kind of poking the bear, so to speak, without without pissing off the ankle. Um, and if we if we can get it to settle, then I would. Um, then obviously we, we would progress them. But if it was, you know, for week, two weeks down the line, obviously you may look at a surgical um, opinion on that as well. Then I would be like kind of um, saying to the surgeon, you know, what are your thoughts on, on maybe putting um, a steroid in just to, to settle the, um, the the joint down a little bit? Because a lot of these sin, um, syndesmosis, a lot of them would have a, a synovitis um, in the joint as well from, from my experience. When can we start getting these guys sort of moving along and running? What do we need to see before then? And once we start to get a bit of a joy with the, the heel race coming back and, and everything's, you know, doing its job, then for me, then it's just about speeding up the, the movement. So obviously when we speed up movement, coordination can change as well um, in terms of contribution from, from different muscles and, and different length tension relationships. So uh, I'm a big believer in using load and then using speed of movement as, as kind of my two key variables um, just to, to play around with. So we might use, um, you know, some various lunges where we might get them to reach in the, in the frontal plane, in, in the transverse plane, um, just as the foot's hitting the floor uh, to create a, a perturbation essentially um, and again the the key thing I look for here that I see I wouldn't say mistakes but something that I don't like is when you do a lunge an athlete tends to take a big big wide step so what I want is I want a small step and a big reach so what that's going to do is that's going to further challenge their their base of support and again it's going to cause the the muscles to, to work reflexively outside of um of higher center control so i'm a big believer in, in trying to get get everything kind of doing its job without you know me working too hard or, or cueing them or, or anything like that and and once i start to see them you know do stuff like that and they're really increasing the speed of movement with the reaches they might have a five kg plate over their head or something like that then um, you know, then we're starting to to get a little bit more um, more confident that they're they're ready to, to progress. So, you know, if I was to do a right a right legged forward lunge, and then just as my foot's hitting the floor with the lunge, my both hands are overhead with five kg plate, and both hands are reaching to the left. So as my foot hits the floor and I reach to the left, my right hip is going to go to the right. So what that's going to do then, obviously, is that's going to create um, a big deceleration force through my glute meat. But also my right big toe is going to have to push into the floor and get my perineals to fire to stabilize my, my right ankle. So there's a lot going on in, in that exercise depending on, on the pathology. But we can get the perineals and the tip post the brace while I'm creating perturbations from the, the top down. So you're, you're kind of great institute um, guys in America 
Um, I like a lot of their stuff and I've probably just taken the uh, good bits of that stuff and, and good bits of Bosch's stuff and, and kind of mixed it all, all together, really. Um, so I might use something like that. Then once they can tolerate that, I'll, I'll get them leaping. Um, so before the athlete can run, I'm a big believer. And again, I, you know, I, I have this discussion quite a bit, um, especially with hamstrings is, you know, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but I'm a big believer in, in getting the athlete to, to hop and, and nail the hops before we, we start them running. Um, so again, I want the, the low tolerance to be there. I don't want any reactions in terms of swelling or, or loss of range or anything like that be, before we start them to, to run. So I probably spend a little bit more time um, with the hopping progressions than some of my mates um, who are, you know, who are, who are physios with, with various other clubs who, who might choose to run them earlier. And again, that that's no no judgment. Um, it's just it's just the way I do it. And um, I find that when we when they can really hop well and they can they can manage their their body weight well on that that uh, that one leg, that's when then we when we get them running, we see them, you know, progress pretty pretty quickly. Whereas sometimes in the past. You know, I've run athletes early and, and they've just kind of limped through the sessions and, and you know, it's like Groundhog Day. You're, you're just trying to kind of force them through it. And that can be frustrating for the athlete and, and it can be frustrating for the, the therapist. What are your hopping progressions? Well, not so much progressions. What are your uh, prescription around your hopping? What does that involve and what does it look like and what do you want to see? Yeah, so we again, we can use these kind of hand drivers or these perturbations in, in tree planes of motion depending on the tissues who we want to target. Um, but I'll always start with a leap, so just going like literally one leg to the other leg. And what I'm looking for there is when they land, um, I don't want them to sink at the knee. So again, I don't want them to eccentrically lower too much at the quad. Um, I'm, I'm looking for that stiffness around the, the hamstring, the quad and the calf, co-contracting the, the knee joint and landing in a good midfoot position. So, so what I'm kind of cueing my athletes is, right, when you land here, you need to be able to sidestep, you need to be able to go forward, you need to be able to twist, you need to be able to give contact, take contact. So you need to finish in a, in a strong position. And that's a nice kind of cue I found because you don't have to do as much cueing then. When they stick it, they're usually either too far on the heel or too far on their toes. Then you go, right, can you give contact? Can you take contact? And they're like, okay, no. Okay, what are you going to do? And then they'll reshuffle themselves back into their their um, their the middle of their base of support anyways and get into a strong position as, as, as we'd call it. So um, I'm, I'm big into that. Um, when they can nail that, then we'll do a hop and stick. Um, where they're literally hopping off one leg, sticking on the same leg, exact same kind of landing um, is what I'm looking for. And then from that, we'll go hop, hop, stick. And then um, once they are already with that, then I'll go hops over 10, 15, 20 meters. Um, the, in terms of reps and stuff like that, the, the leaps, I'll, I'll do six reps uh, each leg, you know, walk back, take plenty of rest. When we get to the hop and sticks, I'll, I'll work kind of in the three to six uh, rep range plenty of rest and again I might check their their range straight after they, they do one set just to make sure that I, I call them KPIs or key performance indicators are, are going in the right direction so so KPI for, for that person might be their knee to wall so when we do a set of the hops you know I'm interested in, in checking that that knee to wall to make sure that you know tissues haven't tightened up or, or they've gone into maybe protective tone or something like that um, and then once we can do all that, we're not seeing any swelling, we're not seeing any um, any compensations. And I, and I really find the 20-meter single-leg bounds, almost we'd be calling them at this stage, where they're, they're just literally going flat out, 20 meters on one leg, you know, using their arms. 
I find that a really good exercise to see any compensations as well because there's nowhere to hide with that exercise. You're you're almost you know uh, sprinting essentially on on one leg. Uh, obviously not as uh, as fast, but we still get a lot of load. Still get high rate of force development um, there. And what you'll find is you, you'll see some very funny cheats by athletes at that stage where they're they're because they can't generate that torque through the through the foot. They'll they'll use other parts of the body and it look a little bit different left and uh, and right. So I find that a really useful test to to kind of check if if the athlete's really ready to run or they're you know they're uh, they're they're just finding a way through, which a lot of the best athletes um, are great at at uh, achieving. It's certainly a, it's a true test there to uh, to get running to do those sort of hops. We sort of move through talking about some of the stiffness properties. Do you focus much around the strength properties? As in, do you have a few targets or basis around this type of injury? What you'd like to see uh, from a, a calf or foot and ankle capacity of just taking load or endurance? Yeah, so I find usually I find once we um, once we get the calf raise back, then um, that kind of side of it tends to come pretty quickly. So obviously, you know, you might use your um, your twenty rep max, or sometimes I like to use um, like a ten rep max as, as fast as you can uh, calf raise. So again, I find that that's one where you, you'll see them fatigue quite quickly, or they'll they'll just run out of puff. Um, or we might do a max calf raise test if if we. You know, if we're um, in doubt, but to be honest, the, the 10 uh, rep, you know, fast as you can, um, calf raise, I, I get quite a lot about that. And if they're looking pretty equal with that and, and they're not fatigued, and then, then I'm pretty happy with that really. And I'd find that, you know, they, they can do a bit more, a little bit slower if, if they, they needed to. Um, in terms of the, the strength work, again, I kind of go back to, to the whole body. So, you know, They'll, they'll start lifting as, as quickly as they can, even if that is within the, the moon boot. And what I'm looking for there, again, is that they're just distributing their weight well through their through their foot. So, you know, if someone is squatting or if they're deadlifting, um, I'd focus a lot on foot pressures. So, you know, as they come down or, you know, an RDL is probably a good example. A lot of athletes can do that, you know, uh, pretty much from week one. So when they come down with the bar towards their knees, I want the weight to go towards their heels. And then as they come up, um, back up, or as they hip extend, I want that way transferring well through the heel into the midfoot and to the forefoot. So we're, we're really using the full foot um, throughout the lifts rather than, you know, I see a lot of athletes, they're just, they're stuck on their heels these days. Um, and I think they're, they're being coached as well to, to push through the heels. And, and that's okay at the bottom of the squat, but, you know, when you hip extend, you like neurologically we're wired to to get a weight um, obviously onto the to midfoot and forefoot. So, uh, again, I'm just trying to reinforce all this stuff, teach them to lift well, and, you know, and that's something that my room definitely drilled into me early doors is is the, the value of getting athletes, you know, lifting well in the gym, and, you know, you, you'll find their, their strength scores will, will jump quite quickly anyways if, if they do lift well. This episode is brought to you by Archie's Arch Support Thongs or flip-flops depending on where in the world you might come from. Archie's are fashionable thongs with arch support designed by a renowned physiotherapist here in Australia. The thongs are endorsed and stocked by podiatrists and physios worldwide and are the choice of many professional athletes. I'll be the first to say that I do wear them myself and strongly advocate any athletes I'm working with to do the same. They're very comfortable thongs and I couldn't see myself ever going back to wearing traditional ones. Archie's footwear are offering our 
listeners a special 20% off their first order, big or small. Simply use the code sports underscore map when ordering. So that's sports underscore map, and you can just head over to their website at www.archiesfootwear.com to view all their products today. Tapping back into around the calf raise, the 10 reps as quick as you can. Um, is that a time? Do you just time that left versus right or uh, how do you do that and what are you trying to really get out of that one? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I probably need to explain that a bit better. So I don't time it as in how um, how quick can you do the 10 reps. It's What I'm looking for there really is the intent of the athlete. So, you know, the ability to push off without any kind of apprehension or, or kind of guarding. Um, so, you know, Louis Gifford kind of has this phrase, thoughtless, fairness movement. And, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm using that test almost to see. Is there any apprehension? Is there any kind of um, slowness, so to speak, um, or, or just any kind of jitteriness uh, around the athlete with, with that exercise? So that it's more about the intent of the, the athlete to do it as, as quick as they can equally. That, that's probably what I'm looking for there, sorry, rather than um, anything else. Perfect. So what comes next in our progressions? And is there anything else specific around a syndesmosis rehabilitation we should be looking to implement? Yeah, so so he would have gone through, um, obviously, the, the ground stuff, got his calf raise, um, probably done a bit more ankling with him, um, with, with more of a specific syndesmosis injury, maybe than I would maybe um, an injury maybe a little bit higher up um, beforehand, just to, again, get him confident confident around the, the stiffness of the foot and, and the ankle. Um, then gone through the, the hopping progressions with him. And what I'll do a lot of there as well in the, the hopping kind of section, if that's kind of the level he's at, is we, we do a lot in the front of the plane and the transverse plane as well. So what I'll do a lot of there is I'm, I'm always setting him up for the deceleration progressions that we're going to do on the field with him. So the, um, the, the hopping sticks, we would do... Um, in the front of the plane, so he'd sidestep, he'd stick. And again, he's, he's just getting used to absorbing his body weight and, and getting ready to, to reproduce uh, force um, into the into the floor again from a good position. And again, same the transverse plane. So, you know, the transverse plane, I'd almost, um, I call it fencing. You know, I joke with Alex like that. So if you imagine you're, you're standing uh, facing straight ahead and then what you're going to do is you're going to bring your right leg to uh, 3 o'clock or, or 90 degrees. And then you're going to keep your left leg at 12 and then you're just going to leap from your left leg to your right leg, but you're going to land on your right leg at three o'clock while your left leg stays at 12 o'clock. So if you imagine you're almost catching a ball, so someone's throwing a ball to you, you're catching it um, as you're twisting to the left while landing on your right leg. So by having the pelvis open, obviously we're going to shorten the glute a little bit. So that's going to put a little bit more load through maybe the medial gastro, the medial hamstring and and just certain tissues there. So we're trying to really get the athlete happy to absorb load in various positions that his body might be might be caught in. And again, that position there, when I go to change direction later with my field um, drills, when I go to cut or, or change direction, that's going to be a similar angle where I'm going to have to produce force into the floor and then eventually my left leg would obviously come round. And then as I'm continuing to produce force into the floor, it'd it come round. So I, I finished that, um, that kind of acceleration or that, or that step through, if that kind of makes sense. So I'm, I'm kind of big into different fibers of muscles having to produce force and, and kind of playing with those, those pelvis positions and 
and really making sure that um, that everything can do its job. And you know, that's that's a, an area where I've been burnt in the past, where I've been probably too guilty of, of doing too much sagittal and, and frontal playing, and then not doing enough transverse. And he and he's got his goal going straight and, and to the side, but it's when he twists and stuff and he's back in training. You know, the the athlete might look a little bit lame. So um, I've kind of I've learned that the the hard way really with, with doing those kind of drills. Once they can, they can show me that they can do all these drills. And again, it's you know I'm big into intent and big into the, their ability to to own these without any kind of um, apprehension or anything. Once they can progress, then then we will progress them. And that might then look like um, a two three step um, jog into a, a stick. Uh, so again, kind of just taking two or three steps and then sticking in a split squat position. Same thing again, where they're kind of they're dropping their hips a little bit, as if they're about to. You know, the best example is, is if they're about to hit a bag, um, you know, a rugby league or something like that. So I find that that kind of drill it naturally gets them into a powerful position. They manage their body weight; they, they can absorb load. Um, and I'll I'll do a lot of um, work around that position in in three planes of motion as well with the um, with the athlete, and then we'll go from there. We'll just speed it up. So once they kind of get back running, then. Um, I usually like to start with tempo runs. So again, just starting, obviously, you know, do your warm-ups and do your ankling and your, your hop stuff on the field just to, to warm up. And then um, we'll usually start, you know, 60 metres, 70 metres. Um, usually I'll start about 40% of their, their max perceived um, top-end speed. So the first few sessions, it's just about getting them used to, to, to running again. Um, I like my athletes to run fast or certainly try to get, get a bit more high-speed running rather than just jogging around the pitch. Um, again, just for more tolerance to, to that, that, um, that high-speed running. So by the end of the, the first session, um, I'm trying to hit, get my athlete to hit around that 70% um, um, top-end speed or you know, at least over five metres per second uh, running You know, if we have um, GPS or, or whatever there. Now, that's... Those running sessions, they're they're not conditioning sessions. They're just literally, in my mind, they're great exposure sessions. So we're just continuing to lower the athlete, um, you know, 40% walk back, do two to three reps of that, hit 50% walk back, you know, 60%, 70%. Now, in between the different percentages, that's where we go with our, our change of direction. So I do maybe four, four reps of, of 40% fragment sake, and I might do, you know, five minutes of, of deceleration in front of the plane. Four reps of fifty percent. Go maybe transverse plane deceleration work. Uh, four sets. Uh, four reps of sixty percent. Then we might add in lateral to sagittal plane decel, and then four reps of seventy percent. So they're hitting seventy percent on their last couple of runs, um, and then we we leave it at that for the first session. Now, why I get them up to seventy in the first session um, is probably because I'm spending a little bit longer with the hopping progressions. So I'm sure you could get them running earlier um, and you know running a little bit lower level. But I prefer to do the high level hopping progressions. So then when I get them running, um, I find it's just it's plain sailing. Then rather than trying to run them too early and and um, and get them um, kind of talking along, which I appreciate. There, there's arguments for for both sides of it. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is the the only way, but from experience, this is the way that that makes my life less stressful because you know if they can do the hops at 20 meters flat out, then you kind of know they're they're ready to run, and, and not only that, but they're they're going to run 
brought our AFIA nut session. So let's say first running session, uh, your first running session, you've got them out there and, and did some graded 40% to 70%. Uh, one, how many reps would that look like? And were you saying those uh, working your D-cell and a little bit of your offline work, are you doing that in between those sets on your first running session or is that maybe built into it on your you know, follow-up sessions or you, you're hitting it all straight up? Yeah, I suppose it, it depends how well the athlete goes in, in the session. You'll always get a gauge of, of how well they, they run the straight line stuff. So um, I'll usually do four reps of 40, 450, 460, 470. So we'll do about 12, uh, 12 runs. So, you know, you'd be looking at about uh, maybe 2K all, all together for the first session. But um, now in between the, the reps, the, the four reps or the, that set of, of four reps, that's when um, I would probably start with straight line. So again, that's where it'd be a few few uh, steps and then a stick, a few steps, stick, a few steps, stick. So just getting the athlete used to, to finding that that strong, powerful deceleration position really. Um, then I might go laterals. So it'd be uh, sidestep, sidestep, stick. And then they might go back the other way. So that would be in between uh, sets uh, two and three. Then... Um, Depending on how the athlete's gone, we might go then into um, something like a sagittal plane stick into a lateral stick. So you might start to build in the, the sagittal and frontal together. Um, if the athlete's really good and they're you know they're pissing the, the straight line, I might even start adding a bit of edge running in um, in that first session. So you you kind of I think you kind of get a gauge on on where the athlete is and you know if they're if they're flying, then you know I'm always trying to push them without obviously uh, breaking them. But, you know, you're, you're trying to get as much out of the, the session as you can without without irritating them. So if they look really good, then, then I'll add in S runs in, in the first session. Um, I might do two straight, two S's if, if they, you know, they, they look really comfortable at that range. Sometimes a syndesmosis athlete can have trouble with, they'll be fine with sort of cutting and pivoting and change of direction, but at the moment you get them on that sort of S-band curve that, that asks a little bit more of that uh, external rotation, dorsiflex position of the foot, they often have a bit of trouble there. Uh, have you had any experience in that? And if so, do you have any ways we can sort of navigate that and work our way through it? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. Actually, um, I should have mentioned that. So, early, early on in so this kind of goes back to week one. Um, I find the perineus tertius um, is often involved in that. So, obviously, the perineus tertius job to dorsiflex evert uh, the foot. So, I'll test that on the bed. Um, I actually just put a, a video of that actually on my uh, Facebook page uh, recently. So there's a video of that. So I don't know. You might be able to link that to, to your show notes or something. Um, so what I'll get them, I'll get them on the edge of the bed and I'll, I'll grab the, the forefoot. Okay, so obviously you have to be careful because it, it's quite acute. And then what I want to do is I want to invert the, the forefoot and they're obviously trying to evert uh, or they're set another way, they're trying to pull the little toe up towards their, <coughs> their shin basically. So as I do that, we, I'll find usually a lot of these guys, they, they won't be able to build torque in, in that Um in that position from the fifth. So then I'll go, I'll do a lot of work through Pernius Tertius, desensitize that, and then I'll find that that kind of motor control will, will fire up pretty pretty quickly, really, if you want to call it a motor control. Um, that'll fire up pretty quickly. And usually once I get that through an isometric, I find that they'll they'll do the estrons quite, uh, quite quickly. So obviously we had um, Billy in Japan uh, who had an ankle injury, and he was the same, and, you know, 
the Estrots he was he was poor at and then we're able to, to do a little bit through through his um his perineals and um, especially the tertius and um and I find that tends to clear them up quite quickly then because they can I am not sure exactly what it is but they, they can um they can tolerate that that load a lot better. Um using that as an isometric as well is really nice in the first week where they're just building tension. So you know you might they might want to do it flat out yet if they're apprehensive, but they can you know build gradually into it. So they can start 30, 40, 50, 60 percent right hold that for for six seconds. Do you know 10, 10 sets of, of six second holds or whatever as a as an isometric. I find that works really well as well uh, with those estrons. And and I suppose that's that's kind of my my point with with the system is if we find that that's a massive issue in the first session then we're going to put the athletes in, in a lot of positions like that all the way up through, through the grade and exposure. So um, what, what I try to avoid doing is is be on the field and kind of figure out shit. He's, he's, sorry, should be swearing, but he's, he's poor at estrons. Um, so if I can build in a lunge where I'm going to put his foot in that position all the way up through the, through the rehab, then I find that kind of tends to minimise, um, you know, the, the issues I get when, when they get back on the field. Now, like World Cups and stuff like that, you're rushing to get them back. So, you know, like it, it all sounds great. And Terry here saying that, and, and I appreciate sometimes you, you have to push them and you have to, you, you're trying to push them as quickly as possible. But um, my ultimate aim is when I get them back on the field running, it's it's literally tick the box. They're, they're nearly good to go, you know, um, rather than um, trying to kind of figure out stuff then and, and kind of trying to reverse engineer um, everything then on the back of that. And then is there anything in particular you use, uh, say, say, further past those isometrics for the perineals that you might use as a progression from there to target that area um, outside of, say, working into those ranges in the lunges or those other exercises? Yeah, so, uh, like, it just again, um, like, you know, doing a, doing a normal uh, right, right foot head lunge but instead I might get them to twist their foot out slightly. Um, so again, having to absorb the load, you know, through, through those kind of length tension relationships, um, I'd work that and the same, I'd, I'd just get them going through through that in, in the hopping progressions and, and stuff like that. But I'm a big fan of, of getting someone into these positions as as soon as they're, they're able to tolerate the load and, and not, not getting sick of doing, doing the simple exercises um, and, and getting the athlete really comfortable on them rather than, um, and, you know, this happens in my mentorship sometimes. Athletes are therapists to take the principles and then they're trying to design 100 exercises off the back of it. And I'm like, well, ultimately, the, the role of an exercise is to get you to the next level of, of low tolerance and the next level and the next level. So if I can get you from here to here with this exercise, then... I don't need five or six exercises to, to do it. We'll, we'll just do one exercise really well. And I appreciate variety and stuff like that is, is important to a point. But um, the, the exercise, once I can get them to the next level loading and the next level load, then, then I'll, I'll take that way um, every day of the week rather than, um, than you know, just, just doing stuff for the sake of it. From there, we're doing some uh, offline and some running. Uh, where, are we, where are we going from here? Uh, obviously, working to get this player back to... Um a top level sport what's our next step yeah so I think you just have to like when, when we get there then the, the main variable is speed so it's just it's just bringing them through through the progression so next session um, I like to hit um, around 90% if I can now sometimes you hit 80 sometimes you hit 85 sometimes they'll, they'll hit 90 sometimes at least being athletes they'll, they'll go a little bit faster than that um, even though you'd ask them not to um, but 
the the big thing is just for me is just bringing them through the grade exposure program. So you know the next session we might start at fifty percent or sixty percent, and and build them up through. And again, the, we'll do four reps. Then we'll do the, the deceleration work again, but we're doing that at a little bit faster speed movement now. So we're, we're starting to get, you know, if you imagine a, a, an SAQ drill of 70% of their max perceived speed, and then we'll, we'll build it up like that. So as they're confident, we'll, we'll just speed up the uh, the, the movements as able, really. And then once they kind of hit that 90%, that's then, you know, if we can hit that in the second session, sometimes it'll take three sessions, um, keep in mind the amount of, of hopping we've done in the, uh, before that then um, that's when then I'll probably get the SNC involved and, and they might do a little bit more um, kind of lower speed running but just get a bit more endurance through um, through there um, and then I'll be I'll be still focusing a lot on the uh, the change of direction the decel the reaccels um, and then we're starting to think about contact obviously as well um, you know taking contact giving contact um, pushing off the line, um, I think that's a big one. You know, starting on the the end line, you clapping your hands and them getting up into a pressure position and pushing off. I think that that's a great drill for for a syndesmosis because you really have to have a stiff foot and you know a stable ankle um, at that at that position. I think a lot of athletes will try to use their their other foot in 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 those scenarios and kind of making them use and push off that foot. I think it's a nice drill. Um, if that was a bit sluggish, you know, sled pushes and, and stuff like that in the gym, then you can kind of go right. Yeah, I need to, to do a bit more of this stuff with them in, in the gym. So you can kind of you can kind of see what they're lacking or what they maybe you know need a little bit more of, and then kind of tweak what they need, what they're doing in the gym on, on the back of that to, to, to try to catch it up. Uh, with your change of direction, uh, maybe just take us through uh, a little bit more of your progressions based around that, and I, and I guess what. Uh, do you really like to see uh, what are some key components around some of your, your coaching with your change of direction with these guys back to sort of into your, your real sports-based movements, which will obviously come next? Yeah, so just um, I keep it very simple again. So we'll, we'll start with um, straight line XLD cell. Again, finishing in a position, coming to a complete stop where they're in a position to reproduce force into the floor and go you know, straight back, side or, or twist. Then we'll go from that into a laterals. And again, the same thing, when they do a sidestep and stick, they need to be able to go forward, back and, and twist. Um, and then transverse plane, it'd be kind of similar, but they'll almost look like they're fencing. So again, that kind of um, 90 degree uh, position of their left foot to their right foot. And then they're, they're kind of fencing and then sticking over the midfoot. And that's usually the one that, that a lot of them will, will struggle with. Um, where they, they'll go either too toy or they, they won't commit to, to the midfoot and, and actually be beyond the midfoot, they'll stick on their heel. Um, and then I'll, I'll try to put those together. So it might look like something like we'll do a 5 to 10 metre axel diesel, they'll stick. Then we'll do a 5 to 10 metre lateral shuffle and stick. Then 5 to 10 metres forward and stick. And then they'll pivot, keeping the, the front leg at 12 o'clock and they'll have to pivot around that and then re-accelerate almost in a, in a triangle type um, type motion. So I'll make them keep their foot sticked or stuck so that they'll have to pivot round and so that there's no apprehension of, of it because a, a lot of times when they're, when they're going to pivot, they'll kind of almost um, twist their, their foot inwards, you know, just before they, they kind of change direction. So again, they're probably not going to change direction exactly like that in the game. But I want them to be able to do it just in just in case um, you know their, their foot is in that position. So that so we really stress that that ER of the um, 
of the the, the talus. Um, and then from there, I suppose it's just a case of of you know you can add in up downs, rolls, and, and stuff like that. But I I really focus on integrating all those three um, kind of components of the sagittal front to transverse and um, you know then we might get them a case of where when they're getting back on site that's when then I might kick a ball and they have to react to the ball and you know and do all your, your kind of open chain um, stuff as well so that there, there's no apprehension uh, with that uh, one last little question around your detail how uh, how do you structure that up do you say uh, we're accelerating as hard as you can for the 10 metres and you want to stop within 5 metres uh, or do you do you set something like that or you say as, just stop as quick as you can um, and yeah and how hard do you go with that yeah so the first few sessions I, I try not to um, I try not to have a, a definite distance because um, I, I want them to feel the, the kind of end position but definitely as we're progressing that's when then you, the, the speed grids are quite nice where you can have like different colour cones every every five metres so you can go right go two and then stop by, by five so you might excel ten stop by five or excel ten you know stop by, by ten and, and that's a good point as well is um, I find when, when you get to have to stop on a line or a ball as close as possible to a line or as close as possible to a ball um, I see the penultimate step actually be very important so um, obviously when we start to decel um, it's not just the final step is involved in that decel so if the, the second last step isn't great then that's very often where you might see almost the athlete slap at the, the, the floor where they kind of slam into the floor with the right foot whereas actually it might be just that their left foot wasn't contributing enough to, to the decel so um, that that's an interesting one when, when you do put a, a, an obstacle or right away to decel as close to this as possible or they, they have to figure out how much force to, to put into the floor in order to do that that's a very different task to to you know the the, the very first session where they're, they're just decelerating uh, as as much as they want so um definitely doing a lot of stuff like that um towards the the back end of it and that's where you start to see some interesting stuff um with, with kind of strategies and stuff like that i guess the reason i asked that question was because that decel component is you know if we sort of miss parts along the rehab, that's often one thing they sort of struggle with towards the end stages. Um, but as does um, what are those athletes that where they maybe haven't developed that real foot and ankle stiffness yet and their ability, what they would just refer to as their pop or their spring. Um, and yeah. let's say we've identified this a little bit late in our rehab. He's not as good as he should be. Um, how can we now get that back um, in, into yeah. this athlete? Yeah, so that that to me, I would just always go back to the the previous um, level or layer. So that that to me would be right. He needs to do a little bit more hopping work for me. Um, and then again, if he's shocking at that and he's it's too high level, then we just we just bring him back uh, another layer. Um, I suppose that in terms of getting that spring and, and intent, the nice thing about using the the lunges and the slouches and stuff like that is from day one or certainly week one, week two, when, when they can get to standing, they're used to pushing through the midfoot again. So we've been kind of reinforcing that, you know, you're using the foot, you're using your midfoot, you're using all the muscles around your, your foot and ankle from from kind of week one, so to speak, you know, from when they're they're pushing through the bed. So um, with, with our system, you know, there's a massive emphasis on, on getting the hip, knee and ankle um, working together. But to, to try to get back to your question, I, I personally would just bring them back a little. And, you know, sometimes when I consult with teams and, and I see an athlete running, I'm like, shit, he, he needs to, to get back a little bit here. He's, he's kind of limpy or he's, he's doing this or that. Um, 
So I would bring him back to, to hopping. And again, those 20 meter hops, you know, he can, he can do those 20 meter hops at, you know, 50% of your max intensity and then build it up to 60 to 70 um, and just focus on, on that stiffness rather than, you know, being too, too vertical in, in height and stuff like that. And, and you know, cue them just to push the floor away and, and you're, you know, beat the floor and you're, you're basic cue. So I said, I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of the hops. I think obviously if, if you've got a joint compromise athlete, that's, you know, I appreciate that as well in, in sport. Sometimes, you know, those athletes you have to be careful. But I think if we, if we spend a, um, a lot more time with the hopping stuff, I think they, by the time we get to the running, they, they start to, to feel really confident. When you talk about like your systems of rev, do you have like, is it like a set term of like each thing that you go through or do you sort of, or in what we're talking about, does that sort of cover off on it, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, to be fair, I think it's a similar kind of process when, like, with every injury. So, um, like, if it was a hamstring, I'd still be doing a lot of single leg bounds and, and stuff like that to try to get that rate of force development um, with with the hamstring even before we, we ran them. So, again, with someone like that, I might put their hands overhead with a pole you know, just to try stress that hamstring a little bit more and, and stuff like that. So it always kind of go lunge, slouches lunge, um, more dynamic lunges, hops, leaps, hops, sticks. But again, the the part of the tissue maybe that I'm I'm stressing a little bit more, that would just depend on on the um, on the pathology. Yeah. Do you just want to run us through your uh, system of thinking around return to play when this athlete's ready? What do we need to see? Um, anything else, any other pearls you might have for us there? Yeah, so again, I think a lot of that goes back to um, intent. So before we kind of do our last few sessions where we're really going to stress them with, with the energy systems that, that they need to be good at, um, you know, just doing a lot of movements where it's very reactive to, to stimulus like a clap or, or another athlete and stuff like that. And all I'm looking for there, is there any hesitancy? Is there any kind of anything that doesn't look smooth or, or looks a little bit labored or a little bit apprehensive? And, you know, we, we ideally want to not see any of that before we, we get the, the athlete back. And um, something, you know, we, we do a lot with, with England and, and certainly um, – it definitely opened my eyes to it was uh, the, the SSC course in England. You know, we, we've got a very good relationship with them is, is putting to get together these kind of uh, worst case scenarios where we, we take a chunk of a game where an athlete's going to have to undergo, you know, um, some pretty hard work and, and we put them through something like that where obviously it's very skill specific work to rest ratios and, and make sure they can come through that, that session okay and obviously there'll be a lot of contact in, in that session as well and if they get through that session you know and they're fatigued they, they can do the contact and and stuff like that it not only gives us a lot of confidence that they're ready but it gives the, the athlete a lot of confidence as well and I think that's that's probably the most important thing is you know you're the, the nightmare scenario for you is when you've an athlete who you think is ready, but they don't think they're ready. Um, you know, that's that can be a hard one to, to manage. And I think that's ultimately down to us. Though. You know, we have to take responsibility as well that, you know, maybe I didn't prepare him as, as well as um, as I should have um, or I didn't pay enough attention to, to kind of signals he's given me. Whereas on the other hand, you've got an athlete who's nowhere near ready and he's like, oh, I'm ready to go back again. Um, so you have to kind of pull those back. So I think it's just getting that fine balance where you, you fill the athlete towards the end of the rehab process with, with a lot of confidence and, you know, the the, the sessions that they, they complete, you know, they're, they're big milestones. And, and once they complete a session and 
the, the kind of walk off the field going, yeah, I feel, I feel ready to, to go now. You know, I think that's really important that you give them that kind of feeling um, in in the, the final few sessions so that when they go back training, they're they're ready to, to go. Can you, I guess, summarise those key areas that you'd like to tick off on uh, as part of your system approach that can be used for other injuries? The big thing for me is that they can... Um, they can coordinate well the, the foot, the knee, um, and the hip. So, again, they can push through the midfoot. Um, that might look like, again, I, I've got on my blog um, a hamstring low tolerance test where they, they do a small little bridge. Um, again, not too high up because we don't want their back using uh, too much work. They get the weight off their heel onto their midfoot, and then can they hold that bridge for um, 30 seconds without the hamstring cramping? or the calf cramping or, or something like that. So I just want everything to be able to, to tolerate load in, in that position. They, they can do that well, um, then we get them into standing. Then we, we focus on the, the slouches and the midfoot. So again, that's very slow movement. Then once they can tolerate that load, we get them into the lunges, which is a little bit more faster movements. Then we add the perturbations um, into whatever plane we want to stress depending on the injury or whatever we, we think it's actually causing the injury in the first place and we want to stress that. Um, then we go to the leaps, uh, the hops, the hop sticks. Um, again, uh, challenging whatever um, range or, or plane we, we want to focus on. And um, from there, then obviously we're building up the, the speed of movement, continuous hops, get into the um, into the, the field stuff. We're doing the, the acceleration tempo runs. We're doing the... Um, the Axel D cells in, in three plans of motion. Um, and then we're just getting obviously a little bit more uh, specific to injury um, and position, uh, up, down, off the floor, contact. And then obviously we're, we're starting to, to stress the energy systems um, a little bit as well with, with contact and, um, and, and other bits when, when the SNC are probably heavily involved with that. Nice little summary and really appreciate uh, you coming on board. It's a fantastic chat. We clearly uh, got stuck into some great little pearls there around some syndesmosis. Um, now, just to recap a little bit that you'll be hopefully um, heading out to Australia. Um, so this would be separate to, to our business sports map but you are heading out to australia and people can log on to your site and, and see your movements at the physio.com is that right just dot com yeah <laughs> and i'm sure you'd be happy for people to get in touch with you via via the email if they have any queries or questions yeah absolutely and obviously thanks uh, for having us on nick uh, you're doing some great stuff uh, I'm, I'm always on your instagram as well looking at, uh, at your courses you get a some really good uh, people there I've uh, picked up a lot from, from your account as well so thanks for that no worries man thanks heaps for uh, for coming in and uh, we'll chat to you soon cheers cheers